Well, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. That was so good, especially the front row here. Yes. Jeff, I've never once looked at you and thought, man, what an idiot. So don't come down too hard on yourself or things like that, all right? Um, guy, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that it's, it's 2022. We get to usher in the new year together. Um, did everybody have a fun New Year's, New Year's Eve celebration? Did, did anybody decide, I'm not staying up till midnight. I've done it before, not going there. Oh, party poopers. Wow. We, um, we, we stayed up till midnight and we were at a friend's house. And so we didn't get home and kids in bed till a little after one in the morning. It was great though. The kids didn't get up till like 10. They were like, what's for breakfast? We're getting closer to lunch now, kids. You missed it. But um, we had a lot of fun, and New Year's is something that, that I always love celebrating, Lo- love having. Now, in California, we weren't ever allowed to have fireworks. Fourth of July up here for me was a game changer. New Year's, we had leftovers. So we're at our friend's house, and we're, we're lighting off fireworks at, at New Year's, and they said it would be okay. And so I experienced something I've never experienced before with fireworks, a firework tipping over and shooting at you. So, so we, I realize now why California has banned all fireworks, but, but we're, we're there, and, and we're setting them off, and they're going up, and the kids are laughing and clapping, and then, you know, we're doing the whole, I'd light it, and they would yell, Dad, run, run, run out of the way and let it go off. And so we, we set this one off, and it was one of those tubes that would shoot off like four or five. They wouldn't go up and explode, but it was like, you know, the color would go off and just kind of fizzle out. So the first one went straight up, and we were like, yay. Second one went that way, like straight out. We're like, Oh, no. Third one came this way. And so then it turned into, hi, duck and cover. I turn around, and there's three or four kids in front of me, including Avery, my daughter, who now is in tears. Like, Daddy, no. And so, so I put my arms around, and I'm just bracing for impact, wondering, I'm going to get shot with a firework. This is going to hurt, and it's going to be an awesome story later, but I'm going to get shot. Luckily, nothing happened. Everything was fine, and we did have to rig up the rig, because as soon as it was done, we did one of those... <laughs> We're all good. Let's go light off more fireworks. And we went right back at it. And we, we set, up a, you know, they set up a little platforms to make sure that wouldn't happen again. But, but I love the celebration. I love the cheering. I love the, the looking back and saying, now we get to start something new. And so what I did is every one of you guys should have got a card and an envelope and a pen uh, to, as you walked in this morning. And what I'd love for us to do is I'd love for you guys to set goals. And you don't have to write this down right now, but I'd love for you during church, uh, during service today, if something comes to mind, write something down on the inside of this. Set some personal goals for this year. This is not a resolution, but th- these are goals that I want you guys to set. Uh, and with some things in mind, setting off thinking, maybe I have a personal goal that I want to achieve this year. Maybe there's a spiritual goal that I want to achieve this year. Just, just something that's, that's personal for you, where you are now and where you want to go in the future. And set a goal. And what I want you to do is write those down in this card, put it in the envelope, and address it to yourself. And then there's a basket on the, by the coffee bar outside. Drop it in the basket. And the last week of December of this year, I'm going to mail them to you. And so you guys will all get to look back and say, hey, these are some things that I want to do this year. Now, if you want, um, before you seal an envelope, pull out your phone, take a picture of it so you have a reminder of some of the things you said you want to do. But then I'm going to send it to you. And so next year, looking at the end of 2022, you can look back and say, hey, here's where I was. Here's what I wanted to do. And it's often a fun thing to look back and say, hey, this is something I did. And not a look back and go, oh, man, I totally blew it. But just look back and say, this, this is a goal I did. This is something I set out and achieved to do. And it's always fun to see the things that you did achieve over the year. So write these down, self-address them, and drop them in the basket today, and I'm going to store them until uh, the end of the year, and I'll mail them out to you. Um, I love setting goals. There's a popular saying, and it says, if you aim at nothing, 
you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So this year, set those goals. Set a time to, to really say, I'm going to aim at this. I want to hit this and really give it your all this year. Did anybody make a New Year's resolution on New Year's Eve? You said, this is what I'm going to do this year. Got a couple of you. Now, we're on day two of the new year. Have you broken your resolution? No hands yet. All right, good. 24, 48 hours in, you're going strong. Keep at it. But one of my goals this year I put it up online uh, last night, and I would love to invite you guys, anyone who wants to join in with me to do it, uh, to join in. I'm going to read uh, the whole Bible, not just cover to cover, though. I'm going to read it chronologically. Um, so there's some plans in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, it's the most popular app on iPhone or Android. You can download it. It's brown. It's from version, And they have Bible reading plans in there. One of them is called the Bible Recap, and it takes you through every day a few chapters, but you don't just start in Genesis and read the book straight through. It jumps through passages, so when you read the Bible over the course of the year, you actually read it in its timeline, in chronological order. So I'm going to do that this year, and I put a link on my Facebook page. I put a link on Instagram. You can click on it and join in on the plan. A number of people already saw the post yesterday and did it, but it's going to be a fun way because it checks off uh, the days that you've read and the things you've done, and there's a little devotional at the end that kind of unpacks what you just read, and it's a fun way to keep each other accountable, and I thought as a church, we could offer this up and anyone who wants to jump in, and let's read through the whole Bible this year. And let's see what can happen, uh, what just personally and spiritually and how our relationship with Jesus can grow even deeper the more we unpack scripture together. And it's a fun way to keep each other accountable too. Because um, if, uh, if you click on it and see your name on there, and then I see you've gone a few days without reading it, I may shoot you a text. Say, hey, where are you on the Bible reading plan? Anything I can do for you? It's a good way to just keep each other accountable as we read the Bible together. Um, so yeah, join in on that. It's going to be a fun time uh, this year. And yeah, I'm excited for it. Let's pray and uh, welcome in Jesus as we get started. Uh, God, you are good. I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the chance we get to, to come together, start this new year off uh, as a church, as a church body with you as the center, God. I pray today that uh, we learn something new, God. We, we, as we unpack this talk on beginnings, God, we're going to go back to the beginning and see how we were created, why we were created. And I pray that as we unpack this today, we all leave with a new sense of purpose that we can uh, use to tackle off the start of this year. God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said... Amen. All right. Dig deep into your Bibles. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1. Hopefully you can find that real, real fast because it's going to be just on the first few pages in. But Genesis 1.1. And as you guys are turning there, I've got a question for you. One of the most basic questions we come across in life is this. Why are we here? Why are we here? At some point, you can raise your hand. Have you guys ever asked that question, why am I even here? What am I doing with my life? What is my purpose? Just what is the point? I, th I think at some point, a, a lot of us go through this question, and this is actually a fundamental question for most religions and most philosophies. They, they kind of all start with that big, broad why. What is the meaning? What is the purpose? Why are we here? It's a universal question, and I probably didn't even have to ask how many of you guys have, have asked yourself that question over time, because I think at some point in your life, we all hit this question. We all hit the why. Why am I here? What am I doing? Especially when tragedy or something hard really hits your life, you can look up and say, why God? Why am I here? What am I even going through this for? And let's not kid ourselves, this is not an easy question to answer. Philosophers to this day still ask themselves this question or try to unpack this question of why. Why do we even exist? And just because we go to church does not mean we know the answer to this question every day, all the time. You, sometimes you maybe think it's easy to come in and just be like, oh, well, I can quote this scripture. I can quote this scripture, and that's my why. 
But then sometimes you start to debate that why. It's like, well, is that really the reason why? Because now things have changed in my life. I've experienced pain. I've experienced pain that have now, it's now made me feel insufficient. It's now made me feel like I'm not enough. It's made me feel like I cannot get through these things. And so you start to ask that question again. Why? Why am I even here? Why am I even going through this over and over and over again? Now, I'm currently meeting with um, a couple who is going through um, a good time, but an incredibly hard and challenging time as well. Um, this uh, couple is recently married, and it's a blended family. So it's a, it's a his, hers, and potentially in the future, theirs style family. Lots of kids, seven kids between the two of them. And they don't have any kids together. They just got married. Um, but both the husband is a widower, and the wife is a widow. And it was through tragic events where um, he lost his wife, and she tragically lost her first husband. Now, when they met each other and started getting serious in their dating life, they, they had called me, and I've known her for many, many years. And so she called, and I'm from a blended family, uh, yours, mine, and ours, huge family. It was 15 kids. And so she thought immediately, I better call, I want to call Dustin because he's kind of gone through the blending of families. Now, not me as an adult, but me as a kid in this. So we started talking about the good, the bad, the ugly, all that blending of family brings. Mostly good, but it's not easy. There's a lot of hard things. And I remember telling them when they said, hey, we're going to get married, and he has three kids, she has four kids, and a lot, some of them are already in their teens. Like, this is not going to be an easy thing. And I said, you guys better buckle up. This is going to be an interesting ride. And there, when they got married, even in, before they got married in the counseling, there was good, and then there was bad, and there was ugly. I remember there was a point where when they were talking, and when I was talking with them, they started understanding and unpacking how each other parents their kids. And there was one point where I didn't know if they were going to make it. And this is, this is the, he, he had popped the question they were getting married, but I didn't know if they were going to make it because some of the things he did to discipline was different than what she did to discipline. And it started doing the whole, they started asking themselves, why are we here? Why are we even doing this? Because this is hard. They had former in-laws throwing wrenches into their relationship, and one person wanted to, to respond one way, and one person wanted to respond another, and it caused a huge conflict where the whys just kept happening. They saw up close and personal how they personally handle things in healthy ways, how they handle things in non-healthy ways, and then you bring in the kids. Kids love to test boundaries. So when a new parent comes in, kids started testing boundaries. There was arguments, there were tears, disagreements, frustrations. There was the, I told them to prep for the line, you're not my dad. Told them to prep for the other mom, said, you're not my mom. And it didn't take long before those lines started coming out with the older kids as well. I didn't know right before they got married if they were going to make it. I had hope, I prayed with them, and I, I, I know in my heart I believed, but I, there was still the inkling of, oh man, this is, this is a rough road. And they worked through it in a good, healthy way. Now and then they got married. You know what happened to a lot of those problems when they got married? <laughs> they magnified. A lot of those problems magnified. Now, I'm still meeting with them, and I have some amazing meetings with, the, with this couple. And I love these people dearly. And I, I'm so proud of where they were and where they are now and the way that they're able to work through. And, and I know that they're, I do believe they're going to make it through and have a great marriage because they do have God at the center of this marriage. And every time we talk, it's about, hey, have you brought this to God? Have you talked to God? And, and they do. But in the midst of their pain is the why. They, they, they come back to that why. And I've asked them, why? Why are you here? Uh, I asked her, why do you choose him? 
Why does he choose you? Why do you want to go through this? Why, what is your purpose in this here? And I look back at their journey, and it start, starting with him as a widower with three kids, and she being a widow with four kids, and both of them, when this tragically happened, had infants in their home as well. Tragedy hits. How would you answer the question for them when they say why? In that moment when someone says, I just lost my husband, I just lost my wife, I have a family, I don't know what to do, how would you answer them if they were to ask you, why am I even here now? What is my purpose now? What do you say? So many of us go through hard things in life. Maybe you're in a transition now where you're dealing with um, a divorce or you're moving away from home or you're caring for aging parents or there's just something in your life that's causing you to ask why. Pain in life experiences, they, they force us to answer this question over and over again. So for this foundational question, we're going to go to the very beginning, Genesis 1.1. The very first passage in Scripture, and it says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Pure and simple, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You could even simplify it and say, Genesis 1.1, God made the stuff. God made all the stuff. He made everything, right? And you could say, end of story but that's hardly the end. This is, this is the beginning. God made everything. And perhaps you, you may understand that Christianity is not the only religion that believes that, that a God was a creator of some kind. However, our worldview is radically different than virtually every other religion out there for a couple different reasons. This, and this is not a criticism of anyone, just an explanation of, of why the Bible is so drastically different when it comes to the creation story than other religions. It may even matter to you because however we answer this question of why will determine how we manage the most challenging seasons of life, whether we have hope or despair, whether we, we pray or persevere, whether we see meaning beyond the seemingly random stuff in our world. We look at this simple statement of God created the heavens of the earth, and it's profound because it has amazing ramifications for your personal why. Why are you here? It starts with this. We are God-created. We are God created. God created the world, right? God created, like I said, all the stuff. And most people agree with this. However, this actually, when it was recorded, this was an incredibly rare idea to say that there was a deity that created the earth. You see, almost every other Eastern religion had this idea that matter was eternal, that the matter was here, that the, 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 the stuff that we say God created, this was already here, and that the, God, the gods that they believed in arose from this matter. You can take Greek mythology, for example. You have the gods who arrived, but they weren't even the first ones on the scene. There were beings called the Titans, and the Titans overruled the earth, and they created things, and they overthrew, and they ruled with fear, and then you had the Greek gods who came from this matter, and they overthrew the Titans, and this is, this is important because this was the culture that Christianity was up against back in Bible times, the, the Greek mythology, and then this god Zeus comes, being the, the leader of all the Greek gods, and they overthrow the Titans, and now you have the gods who are going to rule people, but the thing is, these were not gods that created things they came from creation to rule. They were not the creators. They came from creation to rule. They were not creators. You had different gods being created in different ways in this mythology. For one example, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but I, I got really into Greek mythology when I was in school. I loved reading about all of it. And one of the things that I'll, I'll never forget is one day in Greek mythology, Zeus had a really bad headache. Really bad. It went on for a long time. So bad that he said he felt his head, light, his head was going to pop. So the Greek gods opened his head, and Athena, another a goddess, came out of his head. And she became the goddess of war. 
And it just goes to show that men think about war, and from that, something came to spawn more war. But Zeus, it's funny, you look at, that's another example of a god coming from something, but being created and not being a creator. Greek mythology, it's, it's so fascinating to read about it. But this is what the people worshipped at the time. Judaism now shot a thunderbolt through this mythology when they said, no, 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 this was not created. God created this. The world did not create God. God created the world. Genesis 1-1 flipped the script on the times. Suddenly, God is a creator, not just a manipulator. I'll say that again. God is the creator. He is not just the manipulator of material. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things are created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Now, you may not even know why this matters, even if you don't know how you know this matters. And I love this. When we create something, we simply tend to care about it, right? When we put our heart into something, we put our passion into something, when, when we design something, we, create, we, we care about it. Maybe, maybe you're a poet. You like to write things. When you write a poem, man, passion goes into that poem. And people may look at it and go, that is the most bizarre structure of sentences I've ever seen in my life. Probably me because I don't understand a lot of poetry. I like limericks because they're ridiculous and funny. And Shel Silverstein, one of my favorite poets. But when you create something, you really, really care about it. If you create a painting, if you're artistic, when you put that painting together, for something, for some people it may seem like nothing, but for you, that painting is your heart and your soul. You created it. If you create a business, you put something together from the ground up, man, your passion is that business. Some employees can come and go to them, it's a job, but for you, this is your creation. Maybe you, have, uh, you put together a team of people to do something and you're passionate about that team. You plant a garden outside and you are passionate about that garden. You build a dining room table. I know that growing up in the family of 15, my dad built our dining room table. That thing was huge. It could hold all 15 of us and friends and other people that we had over for dinner easily. It was a huge, huge table. And my dad, loved, he loved that table. And we loved that table because we got to see my dad build our dining room table. And so many good memories happened around that table. It was something that was created and loved. What's the last thing that you created, if you think? What's, what's something that you created or something that someone created for you that you know it means so much to this person? And because I knew it was created for me or because I had a part in creating it, it means something to me. One year for Father's Day, Aurora gave me an awesome gift with the help of Stephanie. But um, I honestly haven't found it yet. I know it's in a box in my garage somewhere since we moved here. But I did find a picture of it. And uh, this is it. It says Super Dad. Now, this is Aurora's footprint and her handprint. And so, you know, I'm a huge Superman fan, so, so it's a little Superman thing for me. Now, when I saw this, I got to show, Aurora got to see my face, and Stephanie got to see my face, and this about brought me to tears when I saw this thing. And I knew that Aurora loved it well because she helped make this thing for me. And I knew that my wife loved seeing my face because she helped make this for me. I loved it because it was created for me. It had sentimental value, not just to me, but to those who created it. Now, to anyone else who sees this, um, you know, that I put it up there and there was the, oh, that's good. But if I were to say down the road somewhere, this thing got destroyed and burned or melted or it, it's, it's gone, some people may say, oh, that's too bad. For me, it would be crushing because this is probably my favorite Father's Day gift I've ever received. It has very much sentimental value for me because of the way this was created. 
But for you guys, this wasn't made for you. It wasn't made for your kids. So it won't have the same value. There may be bum, There may be some, oh, we feel sorry for you, but it would have a much different feeling because it wasn't created for you or by you. It was created for me from someone that, that you know, with God's help, I had a part in creating. So it has a big sentiment of value to me. Now, I took a picture of this, and I, actually, I found this um, when I was looking, when I was putting this message together. I was like, oh, where is that thing? And Stephanie told me it's in a box somewhere. I was like, oh, great. I'm not going through all those boxes right now. Um, but I found it online. I put it on Facebook and Instagram a number of years ago. And, and why did I do this? Because it has a part of my fingerprints on it, I feel like. There, there's a part of me in this picture. There's a part of my daughter, literally, her fingerprints on this picture. She loved making it. And, and I know this about creation. When your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. When your fingerprints are on it, your heart is in it. And, and you want to know why that's true? Because God, when he created us, he created us in his image. And so much of our attributes share attributes of God. And seriously, God embedded his creative instinct in me. He, create, he embedded his creative instinct in all of you as well. Even if you say, I'm not a creative person, which I, I like to think too, I'm not a super creative person when it comes to artsy stuff. But, but I do know that God gave me a creative mind. God gave me some of his personality. He gave me attributes that he gave to every single one of us. We are created in his image. Whether some of the things he gave you trigger you with art or architecture or poetry or, or welding or music or interior design, video games, woo, or electronics, right? He, he gave you some form of creativity. He gave you some form of emotions. And we like to use that creativity to make stuff. And that stuff that we make is different for every person. But what we make, our creations, those really are an extension of ourselves. What we create is an extension of ourselves, And it's a gift God has given us to be able to create different things. Um, one, of my, uh, one of my favorite movies when I was younger was Young Frankenstein. I loved Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. If you've ever seen the movie, it's a, you know, a play off of Frankenstein, but it's a total Mel Brooks comedy. Um, ridiculous and, and horrible in some parts. But it's, I, I thought, when I was younger, I thought that was hilarious. But I love the, the example that we have of this. So we have Dr. Frankenstein, as he calls himself. He, uh, he creates his monster. And his monster ends up getting an abnormal brain. And so his monster is, uh, is very abnormal, doesn't understand the world, gets lost in the world. But Dr. Frankenstein goes through the ends of the earth to make sure his monster is safe, to bring his monster home, to tell the world that he loves his monster. And in the end of the movie, he even sacrifices a part of himself to make sure that his monster can live and be okay. Now, I love this example because it shows to the no end of what someone will go to do to save their creation. And I know that God did a lot of that with us. He sacrificed a part of himself because he loved us so much, because we are his creation. And if we, we understand this point, we'll understand this. God is nuts about you because his fingerprints are all over you. God is nuts about you because his fingerprints are over so much of you. He can't help himself. When it comes to God in relationship with him, you are his you literally are his. Unlike other creation stories, our God, he is bought in. He is sold out. He is what, he's sold out to what he's made because what he's made is an extension of him. You can look at yourself and say, I'm an extension of the creation, of what God has created. I'm an extension of the creator. God can't be distant. He can't be disinterested in you because you are a part of him. This is powerful news, and it's also distinctly different from what people thought back in the day before this was written, before the message of Jesus was coming around. God, our God, 
The God of creation was intimately and connected, invested into his creation. Unlike other worldviews world where, where gods came and they were cruel or they were mean and they were, they were ruling by fear, our God came to show, I'm going to create and I'm going to love. I'm going to create, I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to create and I'm going to sacrifice for my creation because this is, this is my fingerprints. These are my children. This is what I love. It wasn't something he just gets to manage. It's something he gets to love. Listen, when God is the creator, he is also our father. He takes responsibility. He takes responsibility for the world. He takes responsibility for what he's created. And this is a big deal. But I love that it gets even better. The, the Jewish creation story, the biblical creation story, paints God as the father. And then once we get into scripture some more, we see it wasn't just God doing this by himself, God the father doing this by himself. There are other two parts to this creation story. We have the son and we have the spirit, and they're all part of creating you to be who you are. Not only are we God created, but if we look back at the beginning, we see that we are spirit created. If we pick up Genesis um, chapter one, verse two, continuing on, it says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The concept of, of deep and dark, this was the Jewish idea of chaos. There was nothing, there was chaos. And the spirit of God in Judaism at this point was a lifeless force. It was just a spirit hovering over the waters. Jesus, however, comes along and he introduces the Holy Spirit as a unique person of the Trinity of God. And in verse two, we encounter here the second member of the Trinity of God. And what is he doing? He's hovering. Hovering over, right? And the Hebrew word for this indicates a kind of vibration or quaking. It's, it's not unlike your parents um, growing up, maybe about 30 minutes before the house guests arrive. What are, what are parents typically doing around the house? I mean, they, they are cleaning. They are trying to, especially if you have kids running around, they're trying to make order out of the chaos the kids have brought in. Sometimes our girls run through the house, and it looks like the Tasmanian devil just went through the living room. And so sometimes when you have company over, man, your parents or even you at this point, you're like, man, people are coming. We've got to get this busy. We've got to make order out of this chaos. They're scurrying about, taking care of last-minute details so that everything is in order. It's safe and inviting for the guests. The first time we meet the Holy Spirit, he is bringing order out of chaos so that we can thrive in an environment that is created by God. That's a pretty good job description for what the Holy Spirit always does, I think. Where there's disorder, he brings order. Where there's chaos, he brings healing. In our lives right now, we can have disorder. We can have chaos. But I love the Holy Spirit with like an ADHD-style mentality is working actively to make sure you can have order. You can have peace. You can find peace in the midst of the madness. Let that sink in when you have your relationship with God. Whatever is on your mind, whatever is on your heart, is also on God's mind. This is also on God's heart because of the Holy Spirit. He is an advocate for you for what matters most. In the very next chapter, we see the same spirit breathing life into human beings. When we breathe, man, we get to, we get to breathe that breath of life because God breathed that spirit of life into us. Psalm 104.30 says this, When you send forth your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The spirit is so intricately connected to us. His creation, just like the father and just like the son. And hold on for that. We're going to come back to that in a sec. But know that we are God created, we are spirit created, and we are Jesus created. Going back to your purpose, why am I here? Know that you are created by all three. We encounter God the father in verse one. 
We encounter God the Spirit in verse 2. And then if we go into verse 3 and then um, understand more scripture that comes after, we see that Jesus is a part of this as well. In Genesis 1-3, it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. We know God created the world simply by speaking it to existence, right? He just said, let this be, let there be, and it happened. And then he said, let us create man in our image. The, the word us there is so huge. If we fast forward to uh, first, uh, John chapter 1, it says this. Jesus is embodied here. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. First John 1, 1 through 4. In this passage, the word refers to Jesus. When God spoke, Jesus acted. He carried out the very commands of God. Jesus had an intimate role in working with the Father and with the Spirit in our creation to give us our purpose, to give us our very being. Genesis says that when God speaks, he says, let us make man in our image. Jesus had an intricate part in forming and acting and creating with God the Father. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. You might think of it this way, God the Father being the architect, designing this plan. Then we have God the Son, Jesus, who, is, who helped create and acted out his archi the, uh, the architect's plans of our universe. And then we have God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit being the engineer who infused the creation with life. He infused it with beauty. He infused it with order. And together, this trinity created the world, and the world was good. I love that. Every time, every time they build something, create something, it says and he saw that it was good. Together, the Trinity created what we inhabit, at, including ourselves. And why does this matter, though? We look back at Genesis. We see God creating us. We see God creating everything. But we look back. How does it answer the question? How does it make our view? How does the Christian view of creation differ from everything else? Why does it matter that we know these things? Why, is, why do we say the Christian view is different than the Darwinism view of evolution or other ancient mythology? And it's because creation began with God. This was not dumb luck. This was not chance. This was not a cosmic roll of the dice where one in a trillion chance of something had to happen for life to spark. This was designed with purpose. Creation began with God. And when God creates something, creation has a God-given purpose. Creation has a God-given purpose. You can put your name in there. You have a God-given purpose. Knowing someone or something's origins is more about knowing where it started. It's about more than knowing where it started. It's about more than knowing how the pieces fit together, but it's also about knowing its purpose and its intention. We can't find or know the purpose of this world if we can't understand our own purpose and how and why God created us in the first place. And I think if we're living apart from God's will, it's really hard to find that purpose. It's really hard to find that, that stand of knowing what you want to do because then you're living for yourself and not for him. But when we start with him, when we go back to him, we know that he is our creator. He is the one that decided where it all began. He is the one who decided and acted and spoke this world into existence. That means that you are not here on this earth because of blind luck. It means you are not here by accident. Despite what your parents may have said in the heat of a moment in an argument, you are not 
here by accident. You are not a roll of the dice. You are not a piece of chance in a big puzzle. This world exists, and we are a part of it. You're a part of it because God chose to create. God chose to create the world. He chose to create you. You were not an accident. God made you on purpose. In creating, he gave you purpose. In creating, he gave you a design. In order to find our place in this world, whether, whether you have kids in school or you're still going through school or college or, or you're, you're working or you're, you're in retirement season, it's important for us to find our purpose. And in order for us to find our purpose, we've got to look up. We've got to look to God and say, God, you made me for a purpose. When he created you, when he created everybody in here, he did so with something in mind. It was never a, I'll create you and see what happens. Best of luck to you. I'm here if you need me. When he created you, he has a plan. He has a purpose. He, I like to know that this is, this is great when God created the world because God is, is omniscient and he's, he's all-knowing and he doesn't live inside our time confinements. The minute he was saying, let there be light, let there be earth, he knew who you were. He knew who you were going to be, and he knew when and why he was creating you for this time, for this purpose, for this reason. It was not an accident. I know sometimes people say, man, I was born in the wrong decade. I was born in the wrong era. I would have loved it there. But you know what I say? Oh, God actually put you here for a very specific reason. You, you may like that time, but God has a plan for you right now. He did all this with so much in mind. Genesis tells us that, that God created all of this out of formlessness and emptiness. No other religion says that there was nothing and then God made something. All the other religions will say there was something and then a God came in to start messing with it. But our God came out of something that was formless and empty and said, I'm going to create something beautiful and good and I'm going to make you a part of it, a big part of it. 1 Peter 1-2 says, You were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father and were made a holy people by his Spirit. And when God chose you, when God chose you, he made you unique. When God chose you, he made you in his image. He made you with an incredible plan. Your life wasn't an accident. All the way back in Genesis 1-1, he had you in mind. He had your characteristics. He knew what you were going to do. He knew every hair or lack of hair on your head, what it was going to be. He gave you meaning before you even knew what meaning was. There's so many people that go through life, and sometimes they'll say, I'm just doing the same thing, just going through the same routine. And they'll even say, like, my life, especially people that are far from God, they'll say, my life has no meaning. My life just feels empty. My life just feels void. I feel like I'm just living the same routine over and over again. My life feels wayward or it's lost. Or I go through the cosmos full of confusion and frustration and desperation. So many people that don't know God, there's such a common line that they'll say, They'll say, man, I feel just empty. I feel there's, there's just nothing. I'm just living life, and I feel like there's something more, and I just don't know what it is. And, man, I know that that's a call for them to find God because God has that purpose that only he can fill in that empty void. But people can live like an incarnation of chaos, moving from one crisis to another. Just People say, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to survive. Man, I know God doesn't just want us to just survive. God wants us to thrive and push through with the purpose he's called for you to do because his plans don't involve you just getting through something. His plans involve him being magnified through what we go through. Sometimes people will say their lives can be like a big pinball machine. You're just getting kicked around, bounced all over the place, getting knocked to and fro until you're just going to fall through the bottom. They want to get focused and move towards some bigger life goals, but the direction of life can be derailed by some massive tragedy or some massive shift in plans that wasn't their plans. Have you ever been there? 
you ever felt like you're just getting kicked around, like you're just bouncing all over the place, going somewhere, but you're just kind of bouncing, you don't know exactly where you're going, and in your mind you're thinking, man, I'm going nowhere. So many people can be caught in that cycle of going nowhere, just this wheel spinning. Um, and in the snow, which I've never, I don't have a lot of experience driving in the snow, but I've got a lot of experience this week and I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, I was in the car and we're driving. And in our, so, you know, the main streets are all clear, but our neighborhood is just, now it's just packed ice all on the roads. And so I got to a stretch where there's no cars, nothing around us. And I'm in the car with, with Stephanie and Aurora and Avery. And I said, I just kind of stopped the car for a second. I said, girls, you want to hear something real cool? They're like, sure. And I floored it. And we just kind of that way and then that way. But we're on just one stretch of road, nothing around us. And um, the kids are like, whoa. Stephanie's like, stop it. Stop it. And so I stopped it because I'm a good husband. And then we kept going. But it was, it was interesting you know, for the girls to feel this is what it feels like you know, when your wheels are just spinning. And you're not going anywhere. You're just kind of sliding around. But sometimes in life, we can do that, right? We can hit the accelerator and feel like we're just spinning and we're going nowhere because we don't understand our purpose or our goal or what God has set out for us because our sights aren't on him. They're on what's around us instead. And we can let what's around us start dictating the direction we want to go instead of letting God be the one that gives us our traction to go. And once, we, once I was done spinning out the tires and trying to go crazy on my own, accelerated slowly, and we went on as normal. Sometimes we have to take that soft reboot. We have to say, you know what? I'm just going to stop for a second. I'm going to take that deep breath. I'm going to take that breath that is filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to take that breath and say, God, all right, 2022, this is life. I'm going to start accelerating slowly, and I'm going to let you guide my path. Don't hit the, the accelerator and just start spinning in circles and say, I'm going to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect to go somewhere, and you're just fishtailing out. Take that breath and say, God, start leading my way. Let me go forward. Give me my purpose. Give me my goal for this year. When we understand our origins, when we understand that we have breath and we have life because God chose to create us, we get to understand our origin, understand our why. Understand that there's, there's going to be purpose for your life. There is purpose for your life. God doesn't do anything without purpose. He's got his reasons. He's got his reason for you. He's got his reason for me. And I know God has reasons why he brought my family here. God has reasons why he brought you here. If you're online today, God has a reason that he brought you to click on that link and join us online. Genesis 1 doesn't tell us just about the beginning of the universe. This is about the beginning of our lives, that we're created on purpose. Our lives have meaning when we see that we're supposed to be fundamentally and foundationally rooted in him. Our lives will find that purpose when we find out that we are rooted foundationally and fundamentally in him. And this is, this is great news. Especially if you feel like you've been beaten down or, or kicked to the ground or, or you're going through a struggle under the weight of just hopelessness right now. It's good news for those who may wander aimlessly without direction. It's good news for the kids and teens who journey through life wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? If you come back to this in the very beginning, see that you were created and rooted in God from day one. The same God who spoke all the universe into creation. The same God can shape your lives in such a way that can give you that purpose and that meaning. So what do you do with this info now? When, when we leave here today, what, what do we do? What difference is, is knowing why God made you so important? Let me ask you a couple questions. As you think through the creation story, you think through God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which one do you feel like this year you haven't spent enough time with? Which one do you think you haven't spent enough time with? And make that a point this year to say, you know what? God, the designer of all things, this year I'm going to make it a point to really focus on your design. 
Maybe it's God the Son. You say, you know what? The, the Son, the one who, who came and, and, and had a hand in creating me and who died for me. The Son is someone that I need to spend more time with this year. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit, the one who encourages you, the one who points you in the right direction, the one who says, hey, that's friends on your mind. I'm going to give them a call today. That's something I've learned being just through life is, man, if, if someone randomly pops on your mind, give them a call. So many times, it's such, a, it's such an amazing story when, when you find out there's someone who says, hey, I don't know why you popped on my mind today, but you did. And then you find out they're going through something and they need someone to talk to. Man, that's the Holy Spirit giving you that nudge. What one of the Trinity would you say this year I need to spend more time with? Maybe I've neglected a part of the Trinity and you want to jump into it today or this year because they had such an intricate part in creating who you are. Maybe you say, I really only thought about this world as a physical environment and I haven't really thought about the spiritual part of my life. Maybe you want to focus on that this year. Maybe you want to focus on the Holy Spirit sustaining and, and maintaining all around you. Or maybe you, it's, it's the idea of the salvation. You say, I really need to focus on, on Jesus laying down his life for me and sharing that love with people. Find out this year, what, or before the year's over, hopefully, but find out in your beginning, as, as we launch this year, what is your purpose? Why did God create you? What this year is God saying, this is what I want for you this year? If you don't know that right now, it's okay. But spend some time figuring that out. Really take this year as a launching point to say, God, in this beginning, in this fresh beginning, how do I get to focus on you? And what are you going to do in me as we launch in? I'd like to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close today. A couple other questions, and I'll, I'll put these ones up on the screen. What is one thing you could do this week to focus on God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit as your creator? And then we can get real practical with it too. Would you be willing sometime this week to do one thing that would make your walk in this world and your walk with Jesus a little better? Or what is one thing you could do, perhaps on a property you own even, getting real practical and real physical with it, or amongst the people that you influence that would improve the world in one simple way? I would encourage you, if you haven't done it this year, if you haven't wrote it on your card, if you already sealed your card, it's okay. Write it down on your phone. Take a note somewhere. What's a name that's on your mind right now? When you think of someone that you know in your circle that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't know that their life was created with meaning, that their life was created for a purpose that they haven't tapped into yet, who is that person? Reach out to that person sometime soon. Invite them here. Invite them to your house. Invite them to understand the love of God in maybe a way they've never experienced it before. But let's, let's use this year to focus on how can we get connected with God and how can we spread that love to other people. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about uh, beginnings in Scripture, knowing how to, how to understand how we were created like him, to be like him, to be more like him, and how we can do amazing things with him. But we don't have to wait till next week to start. We get to start right away. If you're here today and you've never begun that walk with him, if you're sitting here today and you say, you know, I've actually never even made that choice, or if you're online right now and you say, I've never made this choice to look into him as my purpose, I've never made that choice to say, God, I want you to be the, cre the, the ruler of my life. I want you to be the one who I am living for. I want my purpose to be in you. I want to invite you to do that today. If you're here today, um, come see me after service or shoot, shoot me an email. I'll, I'll pray with you. I'll talk with you. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation about what that looks like. If you're online, there's a button that you can click that says, I need prayer. Click on that and you'll be connected with someone who can talk to you right now about what that looks like or even pray with you. But I want to invite you today, if you've never had this new life, if you've never invited Jesus in to give you this purpose that he so intricately created for you, 
I want to give you that opportunity today to start that conversation with someone. Would you all stand with me? I get real excited when I talk about new beginnings. I get real excited when I talk. I mean, I get excited talking about a lot of things, let's be real. But, but I love new beginnings. And I love that we get to look at 2022 and, and know that this year, I truly believe, it's going to be the best year ever. I really do believe that. Not just personally, not just for me and my family. I think it's going to be the best year ever for this church. I think it's going to be the best year ever for this community. I have such high expectations and hopes and dreams for 2022. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do in this new beginning for all of us here. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that, that you are so intricately and personal in your creation of us. And I thank you that nothing here is an accident. We're not here by accident. We weren't created by accident. You didn't create by accident. You chose to create us. God, I pray today we, we dive into that more on a personal level. When, when we go home and spend time with you, we understand that personal relationship you have with us, that one you want with us, and we know that we have a purpose. God, I pray we all individually unpack our purpose and we live that for you. God, nothing's an accident. It's designed designed by you, and we get to live in you and through you. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen.